Like if you talk to most volunteers, they would say, I want you to set expectations. I want you to explain to me exactly what you want me to do. Because a lot of people look at volunteering and go, oh, well, you can just do whatever you want. You're volunteering. At the end of the day, you're volunteering for a reason. And if the organization is giving you the right purpose as a volunteer, then you can deliver whatever the experience is, whatever the role is that you've been given. That was Matt Lynch, founder of Moonshot. Have you ever wondered why some live experiences capture our hearts better than others? Consider places like Disneyland, where a commitment to exceptional service excellence sees them described as the happiest place on earth. Moonshot works with organizations to engage and train frontline staff and volunteers to live and breathe brand ethos through programs that provide opportunities for upskilling and connections. While you might hear Disney and think, well, all well and good if you have a big budget, but how does this apply to someone like me? In this episode of the podcast, Matt discusses how organizations of all shapes and sizes and budgets can implement simple steps to better engage with their staff and volunteers to ensure a world-class experience for volunteers, fans, and participants alike. As the world pivots away from in-person training to the digital world, we also discuss the importance of understanding volunteer motivations to accommodate engaging experiences for a diverse range of backgrounds and demographics. Now, if this is the first time listening to the podcast, then welcome. The Engage Volunteer podcast aims to highlight the ways in which organizations and individuals are engaging with their communities to connect them to events and causes they're passionate about. The best way to support us is to click follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and make sure you never miss an episode. We'd also love to get your feedback on the podcast and any suggestions you may have of any guests you'd like to hear from. Please do feel free to get in touch and contact us via our website or LinkedIn. Please feel free to tell your friends and colleagues about us too. Enjoy. Matt Lynch, welcome to the Engage Volunteer Podcast, mate. So good to have you. Where do we find you today, mate? You're in the, you're in the sun, is it? Shannon, I'm, uh, I'm in Spain. I'm about an hour and a half north of Barcelona in this little small village where no one speaks English and everyone speaks Catalan, but they're lovely people and right. they, bring us, they bring us vegetables every morning. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a nice place to be. Okay. Where's home for you? Matt? Yeah, so we're uh, we're based in the UK. I live uh, in North London, lovely place, very near Arsenal Football Club, which is my team. But we're not doing so well after Game One. But yeah, North London is our uh, headquarters. Lovely, mate. Lovely. Well, for our listeners, Moonshot's an incredible organisation. We work with you guys on on many major events around the world. Love you to give us a bit of a picture of what the organisation is and, and your role clearly there. Yeah, you know, I'm proud to lead the Moonshot team. We are really lucky in, in the events and organizations we get to work with around the world. We train and engage frontline staff in a majority of those scenarios. It's volunteers who uh, we love working with because they're so passionate and they're purpose-driven people. So we, you know, we focus on that. You know, it's all about engagement programs with those volunteers or frontline staff. It's it's the training, giving them some real direction, focus. And I think most volunteers really appreciate that, that they really have a clear path about what is expected of them and, and some, you know, some advice and little things that can help them engage more with the visitor, the fan, the guest, or whoever they're working with. So yeah, you know, Moonshot, really, that's what we're, we're all about. It's just about that training and engagement with uh, frontline staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, mate. And and you obviously started the company and, and by yourself too, Han Solo. Give us a bit of a picture of uh, maybe why you started it and, and when you started it. 
Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit honest here, Shannon. I believe in honesty. I mean, I, I moved over to the UK to be head of guest services at Wembley Stadium back in 2014. And I was with Wembley, uh, you know, what I, what I believe the most iconic stadium in the world uh, for two years. It just the, the strategy and the focus on the front line just wasn't there yet. So I felt like I had to find a new purpose for myself. And I didn't want to move back to the U.S. because of my you know, kids and they were in schools and all that. And my, my role, my position, you find it in every stadium in the U.S. But in the U.K., it was a new, new role. And I just I didn't see one you know, happening anytime soon in the UK that would fit what I wanted to do. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to kind of go out on my own. I, I never really thought I would do that, but it was something that felt like it was the time to do it. So yeah, after leaving Wembley, I kind of started uh, Moonshot and uh, knew that there was an opportunity in the UK to focus on frontline staff and what they can bring to the guest experience or the fan experience. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, and and that's what I'm I'm passionate about. So that's kind of what brought on Moonshot. It was uh, it wasn't any kind of you know I've always kind of worked within organizations and worked with teams and leadership to focus on you know, the things that bring a, a great guest experience or a visitor experience. So yeah, that's kind of what it was. I, it was uh, after I left Wembley and and headed in that direction. So you, you're clearly from the States, and so you, you had experienced this, and, and, and a lot of professional teams and stadiums over there probably have this a little more dialed than perhaps the rest of the world. So you'd experienced that, came to the UK, seen that there was an opportunity there and thought, why not try and own that space a little and, and create your own company from that? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was. You know, I uh, moved to the UK from the US where I'd worked, you know, for uh, the College Football Hall of Fame, which is a visitor attraction in downtown Atlanta, and also for the Atlanta Braves baseball team, where I was there for six years, really saw some powerful, impactful frontline staff doing, you know, special things, create emotional connections for people. And then, you know, came over to the UK and just really saw that there was an opportunity for this to kind of, you know, change create that change within the environment where it's more focused on how do you deliver a great experience for people instead of, you know, maybe security focused or, you know, you have to do both. But I think sometimes it's 100% this and 0% that. And so I think uh, that's really kind of what what drove me to say, you know what, let's let's try to get in here and, and kind of change the the dynamic of how venues are run. Yeah. Why is it different, do you think? Americans, clearly, they go bigger and bolder in, in a lot of facets. Like, what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's a really good question. I, I just think it's the UK is just a little bit behind the US when it comes to customer focus or guest focus, right? And I also, there was this thing, even when I was at Wembley, that people felt like, oh, well, we don't have the people that can deliver that experience, right? So, you know, Americans and they, they are all about customer service. And so they, you know, they can deliver, but I just don't believe that. I think there's people, people everywhere around the world. You just have to find them. So it's about selection of staff. And I think that's mm -hmm. hard work. That's really hard work to find the people instead of just letting anybody represent you in your venue. So it's about selection and it's then it's about strategy and it's also about empowerment and all these other things. But I just think that, especially in the UK, I think it's time. I think. You spend a lot of money on tickets to events. You know, I, I do it myself going to Arsenal mm -hmm. and you want that experience. You want 
that connection. You want to be able to see the same staff every time you go there. You want them to know who you are. You want them to connect with your kids. You know, it's all these things. And I think it's, it's, it's turning a corner for sure. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I notice it too, especially in the events that you and I have worked in. Now, we first met at the Super Bowl working, was it Houston, Matt? Was that the first one or was it a later one? Atlanta was, yeah, Atlanta was our first Super Bowl. Atlanta one. And you guys have done every Super Bowl since, which is great. And Atlanta was a, a really special program for both of us. Moonshot, you guys work with the NFL and the Super Bowl. Do you want to give us a picture of like what you guys do as an organization for them? Like, how do you work with them to provide this assistance? Are you part of their team? Are you consultants? How does it work? Yeah, sure. I mean, we're really proud of our relationship with the the NFL, they treat us like, you know, like we're uh, not just a partner, but really a, a vital part of their operation. And we support the Fans First program, which is the guest services and teammate recognition program of the National Football League at all of their marquee events. So we have kickoff coming up, which is, uh, you know, in September, early September, the first game of the NFL season. We support them on Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, if you don't know what Pro Bowl is, kind of like the all-star game where all the best players get to go this year or next year to be in Las Vegas. So we really, you know, we deliver their guest services program, which if you think about it, the National Football League is a is a league, right? But they hold all these massive events. So they want to make sure that at those events, they're providing a consistent experience for their fans, their guests, their VIPs, anybody that is attending that event. So for instance, um, last year in Tampa or the year before in Miami, so we train every single staff member on the ground. It could be stadium staff. It could be volunteers and volunteers, you know, in the last three Super Bowls. And even before that, you know, make up a massive amount of the workforce of the frontline staff that are out there connecting with all of these fans and guests. So, you know, it's an important aspect to make sure, again, that the, the volunteers know exactly what their role is and exactly how they can exceed expectations in every time they engage with somebody. So, yeah, we work closely with the NFL all year round at all of their events and, you know, volunteers again. I mean, Atlanta, there was 50,000 volunteers. So usually we either support or train the trainer program where we train their trainers to deliver the fans first program or we train every single volunteer ourselves, like we did last year in Tampa, delivering, you know, over 45 live webinar training sessions. So yeah, that's kind of, we're really, you know, we, we love going to Super Bowl. It's interesting that I had to move to England to then go back to the U.S. to attend my first Super Bowl. Hmm. But as you know, it's, it's like nothing else. The show that the NFL puts on, it's amazing. It's electric and uh, you, you want to be a part of it. Yeah, I remember early days, there's a lot of sort of a, a Disney influence around the, the way staff were trained at Disney and the smiley, happy faces you see there and the way that the staff engage with you at Disneyland. Is there a connection there with Moonshot and, and that sort of past world for you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, there absolutely is. I mean, you know, when I was in university, there was um, kind of an internship program at Disney. It's called the college program. And I, uh, I was on that program for two semesters while I was in university. Mm -hmm. It absolutely, absolutely changed my direction in my career. You know, once I did that. Why, why is that? What, what was it about it that you loved that you needed to uh, change course from, from that internship? You know what? I, I'm just being honest, Shannon. It, it, it opened my eyes to kind of how an experience should be and how you should empower and select your staff. You know, I felt when I was there, I was 19. I felt like, you know what, I, I've been given the tools to do the job. I have a responsibility, right? So they really 
they really kind of give you that you're here, you know, to deliver this experience for these families that spend, uh, you know, a year's worth of savings to come to this special place. And we expect you to take care of them. We don't want anybody leaving here that's unhappy. And I mean, I have a, a million examples of times where myself or another fellow cast member, you know, said, you know what, we have to take control of the situation because this kid just threw up on himself and he, he's going to remember that for the rest of his life that he had to leave Disney World because of that situation. How do we manage that situation so then that family doesn't leave right now and have to go back to their hotel and then, you know, maybe never come back here? So it absolutely changed the course of, of my career. And even after university, two weeks later, after I graduated, I moved to London. So that was the first time I lived in London when I was 22. And The Lion King, the musical was coming to the West End. And so I, I was lucky enough to get a, a position there, frontline staff member working on the doors of the Lyceum Theater, tearing tickets and welcoming guests to The Lion King when it opened opened in London in 1999. So then my Disney, I, you know, and I know the leaders there, I'm still connected with them. And they said, the reason why we picked you is because you had worked for Disney, right? And Disney were coming into the theater to put on this uh, the musical. So Disney are, are, is really an important part of my, of my career. And it, it really changed the direction that I headed in. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's such an important part, isn't it, about that empowering and the, it's a it's a very interesting concept for volunteering about the expectation how you said there like we expect you to deliver x can you talk to us a bit about that setting expectations for volunteers and perhaps not overstepping the mark of we'll get to it about paid staff versus volunteers but about setting expectation for volunteers so they know what they need to deliver and they know that they've got an important job to play compared to just oh thanks for being here that's enough, like have fun today, that sort of thing. Like there's a balance there, isn't there? Definitely. I mean, I think this is an important point about volunteering. And I think if you talk to most volunteers, they would say, I want you to set expectations. I want you to explain to me exactly what you want me to do. Because a lot of people look at volunteering and go, oh, well, you can just do whatever you want. You're volunteering. At the end of the day, you're volunteering for a reason. And if the organization is giving you the right purpose as a volunteer, then you can deliver whatever the experience is, whatever the role is that you've been given. And as we know, volunteering isn't just about wayfinding. Volunteers work in accreditation. Volunteers work in support functions. Volunteers work at the airports and on all these. There's so many different roles. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that volunteers know exactly what is expected of them because they want to know. They want to have that purpose. Mm. They want to do a great job. They want to, you know, at the end of the day, they want to walk away and say, you know, I really made a difference today. So, you know, I think, again, just because someone's volunteering doesn't mean that they're just coming to hang out. And I think volunteers know that. And I think as an organization, you have to set them up for success, which means you have to provide excellent training. You have to give them a purpose of, of what they're supposed to be doing. So it's not just role specific training, but it's also a bigger picture training of kind of what we're trying to deliver at X Super Bowl or at this Cricket World Cup or at the Euros. So I think, again, if you talk to most volunteers, they'd much rather have very focused direction than just let them go off and do whatever, you know, and I think you see it a lot when you when volunteers you know, maybe drop out or they don't show up for a shift. And usually, you know, in in, in a lot of instances, it's because they didn't feel like their role was valued and they had a purpose, you know, a purpose of being there. Yeah, uh, if I'm not there, it doesn't matter much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, 
you have to you have to do that or you start to you know retention you start to lose volunteers and then you can't you can't deliver what you're trying to deliver right yeah really interesting we had andy newman on a recent podcast head of the com games volunteer and workforce program it really summarized the difference between paid staff and volunteers in a really succinct nice way and i think the the summary is the the vibe that volunteers bring is different to that of paid staff you've worked with both what's your experience with that and perhaps maybe how do you engage with paid staff versus volunteers in our instance and in what we're trying to do we're we're trying to give everyone the same kind of common purpose and you know direction of how to deliver whatever it is right but i would i'd agree with andy that when you're engaging and interacting with volunteers right they're in it for different reasons right you often hear people say well what's in it what's in it for me right so how do you for a volunteer what's in it for them is very different from somebody who's there in a paid role so as a volunteer what's in it for me i want to create new social connections right and i saw this at the euros i mean it's pretty unbelievable the relationships people build with each other working as volunteers even after the fact you know they're going out they you know and and having social gatherings with each other you know and they just met each other and and volunteered at a you know at, a, at an event so you know they want to have these social connections they want to have some purpose in their life so they're looking for a bit more purpose in whatever they're doing so that's why they volunteer so there's a there's a lot of different reasons right and different things that they're looking for that a paid staff member potentially is not looking for. And I think you have to be very focused on on delivering that. And, and of course, throughout this the pandemic in the last year and a half, a lot of those things have been challenging to deliver to the volunteer, right? So for instance, in-person training, vol- volunteers love coming together and connecting with each other. And usually that happens when you do in-person training, when you're bringing them together to get ready for an event. And we haven't been able to do that. So we've had been, you know, to deliver training in a, uh, a virtual environment. So again, for the volunteer, they're going, oh, yeah, I'm not getting what, I, what I'd like out of this to a certain extent, because I want to have that social interaction. You know, I want to connect with new people. And so, you know, it's been, it's definitely been a challenging environment the last kind of year and a half, because you're not ticking the box for that volunteer, what's in it for them, you know, like you used to be able to do, because they, they want those those things that now, at least during this period, during the pandemic, you haven't been able to give them. So, you know, I, I know for a fact, even working through the Euros, both for the City of London, we helped deliver their training program and for Wembley Stadium, that, you know, everyone was very focused on how do we make up for those things, right? How do we make up for that we're not being able to bring this group group together in large group settings and ha- and and see those connections being made you know so i think it's it's definitely top of mind and and people are, are aware you know in the volunteering community that this is an important part of being a volunteer and what's in it for them what what they're trying to get out of the experience yeah so for for those listening what are some ways that you've been able to engage with your volunteers in a virtual sense is there any advice for people out there the best ways to do it i know it's difficult yeah i mean listen this has been a learned experience for everyone i mean the number of again webinar live webinar training moonshot has done in the last year and a half it's off the charts i mean again like we said at, at super bowl 
over 45 live webinar sessions, you know, everyone's learning. How do you connect with people where in most instances, it's a one way communication, right? It's a somebody, you know, speaker or presenter or facilitator communicating one way to a screen. We don't like that either. I'd much rather be in a, a, a massive auditorium with, with all these people where you can see faces, you can, you can read body language. But I think in that environment, you know, we've tried to engage with live quizzes where they can do it on their phone so they still feel connected. With the city of London, we were doing things where we were doing live polls. So they, you know, we would ask a question and then you, they could see kind of what the response was popping up on their, on the screen to kind of engage conversations. I think these things are really important. The other thing that we learned, you know, is the chat room. The chat room can, can just be, off the chain because again the volunteer is trying to connect with other people that's one of their main drivers so making sure that you're managing the chat room so then there can be that social contact i mean it's a it's a stream of kind of like hey guys what's going on hey i'm my I, this is who i am this is where i'm working you know and you could see that the volunteer is basically doing the same thing that they would do in person you know, if 10 minutes before a session was started, now they're doing it in the chat room because they still want to have that that social connection. So it's been a learning a learning experience for everyone. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we, we're all learning through this and again, trying to provide the best experience for the for the volunteer as we possibly can. Yeah. Now, just before you said there's a different reason why paid staff and volunteers are there. If you don't mind getting a little granular with me about perhaps different demographics of volunteers and why they're there as well. Is there, and this is for the benefit of our listeners, being wanting to perhaps engage more with younger people. From your experience dealing with younger volunteers, is there a reason why they're there and there are re- and a way to treat and engage them compared to perhaps older demographics that may be the more common audience of volunteers? There's, there's often a clear difference in the two audiences and the way we engage them. What's your experience been and what advice have you got there? Well, I mean, working in this you know, environment, I know that most organizations that are looking for volunteers now want to have that younger demographic. And it's been something that's missing. Right. And so trying I, it's my belief that going after that younger volunteer is very much about purpose. Right. So making sure that you're providing a clear purpose for that that younger volunteer. And by the way, that's the same reason why that older volunteer is also volunteering. But you have to really focus on what is that younger volunteer and where they are in their life and their, you know, and at their age, you know, what is driving them? What is their their purpose right now? And how do we kind of find and connect with that younger volunteer? And you know, at the Euros, I felt like, you know what, you really saw it. But I also, you know, the younger volunteer, but I also know that it was a strategic initiative as part of that organizing team to make sure that they were, you know, they were going after younger volunteers, that they were selecting younger volunteers to bring that demographic into the volunteering community. So, you know, I think, again, what's in it for them? And, and I think you have to look at all of your demographics from your young to your old to your diversity groups and say, what's what's in it for this group? And you have to be strategic about it then. You have to say, OK, well, this is we know this is what's in it for them, even if you have to do focus groups with those demos and say, you know, why would you volunteer? And then making sure that you're focused on those, you know, on, on those reasons on, on how to go after that group. Yeah. And then it's uh, 
I guess for for a Super Bowl, for, from yours and our experience, that's a that's a twelve month volunteer program, effectively from start to finish. It's a long time to pe- keep people engaged. Again, perhaps a more granular question, but wanting to focus on why people signed up in the first place and making sure you're covering those bases throughout that twelve months. How do you find the balance, especially dealing with thousands of volunteers, between making sure that young person's getting what they want out of the program versus perhaps a different demographic that wanted something else. Do you sort of personalize experiences a little? Are you making sure they're in different roles and responsibilities from the start? Like how do you segment the journey when you have such a large audience of people you need to be communicating with? You know, I think this is one of the biggest challenges, especially with a Super Bowl organizing committee, is to engage over that massive amount of time, right? And it comes down to, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of communication, a lot of things that Rosterify, the system does, you guys, you know, do to ensure that that communication is there. But I think it's also about setting up and knowing what your volunteer wants, which is how do you create social interactions during the periods of time when you're they're not volunteering, right? And that's for different demographics, right? So, you know, what do young people want? What are, you know, what does this diversity group want? What does this older group want? And and constantly creating opportunities for them. You know, it's almost like being a a camp a camp counselor, you know, where you're you're looking at your all these people that are in your cabin or whatever, and you're going, okay, how do I keep everybody engaged here? And I think you have to look at especially over a long period of time, you have to be, you have to set out an engagement calendar <laughs> to a certain extent that's separate from just the time that they're vol- from their volunteer, like separate that the volunteering when they're actually volunteering. But what are you doing that other time? Like how are you keeping them connected? And that's a really, really big job that I'm sure that a lot of volunteering coordinators don't really, you know, see at the very beginning that that's their job, but it really it is, right? It is because you want to keep them connected and engaged. So you have to be thinking about, you know, and again, it's a lot about the social aspect. It's about connecting them and having them build relationships with other other volunteers that they potentially might work with. Again, if you think about like high performing teams, right? High performing teams are people that connect with each other. They they understand how everyone in their group works. So if you have a whole a big team that's going to be working on accreditation and they're all volunteers and you know in three months time these guys are going to be working every day for 10 days in a row together. Well you're going to think about how do we build teamwork within that team? We need to do it now, right? And we need to do it with social interactions. We need to have them connecting with each other right now. So then when they get into that world of accreditation or you know whatever it is. They already know each other. They know how each other works. Everybody's different. So they understand each other's kind of mannerisms and all that sort of stuff. So I think, you know, it's a big, big, it's a big, big job is the answer. For sure. hundred percent. And, and you've given me an idea. I think together, mate, we need to create a, a bit of content of an ideal calendar of communications and, you know, milestones, checkpoints, a, a genuine large scale volunteer or workforce program needs to go through. So, uh, Let's uh, let's pencil that in, Matt. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, your insight now would uh, would help a few people there. Now, again, probably a little granular for those listening. What does a classic journey look like for you in terms of the the three months leading into? Let, let's use the euros as an example. Like, 
when does your work start to really ramp up? Because you could go too early, right? And then people forget it by the time the event's happening. Like what does a classic lead up to an event look like timing wise, training, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, this is this is important, especially in an environment where you're delivering a, a large scale event or, or or whatever it is. When do you start to engage from a training perspective with that volunteer? And I think what you said, Shannon, about, you know, you don't want to go too early. Right. Because they forget about it by the time you go operational. Right. So it's really typically it's it's the month before so uh, the month before you start sure, okay one month you, you start going at it pretty hard and again you want this to be top of mind because you're talking to them about you know your experience standards or your volunteering standards the expectations the the things that really make an experience happen or a visitor connection happen versus things that you know detract from that experience and you want them to remember that so you have to kind of hit them within a time period that they're not going to forget it. And then once you get on the ground, which I think is another really, really important aspect to training and engagement with staff, volunteers, frontliners, is that you have to then refresh on what you were talking about, right? So in daily daily briefings with volunteers before you send them out, that you're saying, hey, remember we talked about hospitality as one of our experience standards, for instance. Remember, this is what it means, right? So today when you're doing X, Y, and Z, this is how you can deliver hospitality. You know, we we make eye contact, we give a warm welcome, we try to anticipate their needs. Training doesn't just stop, you know, when the event starts, you know, you have to then kind of do refresher and, and organizations that do customer service or visitor experience really well, they're they're reminding teammates, staff members, frontliners every single day about exactly what is a great experience. And so it should be the same thing in a volunteering environment where you're you're reminding them, hey, remember, we talked about safety, right? So safety is one of our whatever experience standards, quality standards. And safety today means that we're all going to be, you know, looking out for trip hazards or we're all going to be keeping an eye on, uh, you know, if we see any unattended backpacks or something, you know what I mean? So it's a constant opportunity to be getting them thinking and making sure that you're focused on exactly what's going to deliver that that visitor experience. Yeah, for sure. It's um, and again, that balance between paid staff and volunteers. How do you go about, I guess, the re-education or if a volunteer is perhaps not delivering to the level you need to, it's perhaps not as easy as a paid staff member to pull them aside and, and reset expectations or, or is it still really important to do that? Yeah. I mean, again, I do think it's really important to do that just because they're a volunteer doesn't mean that, you know, they don't they don't have a responsibility to deliver whatever role they they accepted. And I think that's also how, why you see even in paid roles, but also in volunteer roles where people will self exit. Right. They will self exit because whatever the role was, that's not what they expected. You know, so they decide, you know what, I'm I'm going to I'm going to self exit this position, which if I'm to be honest with, that's what you want to happen. And even in, you know, full time organizations, you want people to self exit. If it's not if you're setting expectations, if you're you're saying this is what the role and responsibilities are, this is what we expect of you, then you want some people to self exit because they're not in it anyways. Right. They, they don't they don't have a connection to it. 
They don't see their purpose in that role. And so you do want them to self-exit because if they don't self-exit and they stay in the role, guess what they do? They bring down other volunteers, right? So other volunteers now look at look at Jimmy or Sammy or Cindy and they go, she's just standing over there and she's not doing anything because they don't, they're, again, Sam, Sammy or Cindy is not connected to whatever it is that the purpose is. And then it brings down the other volunteers, which means that now you have a, a group of volunteers that are, aren't uh, connected, right? That aren't, you know, aren't focused and, and able to deliver. So, you know, I think my take on this is that you, you treat a volunteer just like you would treat, you know, someone who's getting paid, you set expectations, you sure. give them a purpose and you give them an opportunity to self-exit if they need to, because again, you don't want, you don't want them staying in it and, and bringing the rest of the team down. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective on on volunteer engagement. Yeah, thank you, mate. More granular question again, Pat, and for our, for our listeners around uh, mandatory training, especially when it's online. Yes or no? Did you make it flexible because not everyone wants to log in and do something online, or or do you make it mandatory because it's it's just showing the investment you're putting into them to say that if you can't bother doing this and how we do we expect that you can do it come game time what, what are your thoughts on that shannon i've got a strong opinion on this and i'm sure you <laughs> expect that again if you're yes. setting expectations from the very beginning right before when someone volunteers you say this is what we expect you're gonna you're gonna have to go through two hours of online training that's part of how we get you ready and prepared to be a successful, impactful volunteer. So you set expectations from the very beginning. And then, yes, it's absolutely mandatory because if one volunteer does the training and one doesn't do the training, you know, now you've got volunteers at different levels of, you know, accountability, uh, expectations. So how, how then does a volunteer leader then manage those two volunteers? One went through the training, knows exactly, you know, what was expected. The other one decided they weren't going to go through it. And now that volunteer leader is having to manage that on the ground, right? And so that doesn't make any sense from an operational perspective. So again, you have to, you don't throw something at a volunteer, but like, oh, now you got to do 14 hours of online training that we didn't tell you about. No, that's, that's not the way to go about it. But to set expectations from the very beginning, and then they know what they're getting into. And then again, when you get there, if they don't do it, you can say, listen, this is a really important part of being part of our group, our team, this event. And we really, you know, we really need you to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic, mate. Now, you've been very, very generous with your time away from your little Barcelona fishing village there, Matt. So we appreciate this. What about for our listeners about, you've seen it all. I don't know if there's many people around the world that would have a greater insight than you in terms of this space. What what would be your number one or two sort of tips of advice for engaging with volunteers in, in a succinct summary? Again, I mean, I think, you know, I talked about this at the very beginning. I think you have to know what and how your volunteer ticks. Right. Why are they why are they volunteering? So you have to know or think about what's in it for them. You know, you have to think about, you know, and I think we know, you know, we know a decent amount of data or information about why people volunteer, you have to be extremely people focused, right? If you're in volunteering, you're, you know, in an organizing committee, you need people working on your team that are people focused, that understand people, because guess what? When you have a thousand, 10,000, 50,000 volunteers, you're going to have 50,000 different 
personalities, right? From different backgrounds. And so you have to have whoever's on your team, yourself included, you have to be people focused. If a volunteer comes up to you, you better be people focused and you better give them the time of day, be respectful of them, be professional. You know, that's really, really difficult. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges uh, for volunteer coordinators is that you've got a lot of people, right, that want to do a great job, that are purpose driven and they're going to ask a lot of questions because they want to make sure that they're doing their job right and they know all the information they need to know. And so, you know, I think that would be my takeaway. I mean, I just worked uh, the Euros and an operations, you know, capacity, uh, leading volunteers, working alongside volunteers. And that's what they want, right? They want to have connections. They want to be connected socially with people. They want to do a great job. They want to be able to attain all the information and knowledge they possibly can so they can do that, you know, that role that you've given them. So I think being per- people focused is, is absolutely critical. Yeah, awesome, mate. Thank you. Lovely. Well, look, mate, I, I think we might wrap it there. It's been it's been a great 40 odd minutes we've spent together getting an insight into the journey of Moonshot as an organization and then for, for volunteer managers around the world to listen to some of your insights about the best way to engage with those volunteers and get the best outcomes. I agree with everything you've said. So, um, mate, thanks so much for your time. And yeah, any, anything, any last comments? You know, I, I think, you know, from, from our perspective, we... Uh, you know, we love working with volunteers at the Euros. It kind of, you know, brought me back to basics, being, you know, yeah, on the ground with awesome. on the ground with them. And I think that was really, uh, you know, really a great opportunity for for all of us. And I appreciate you uh, you inviting me on, and um, and I hope to catch up soon. Yeah, good man. No worries. All right, mate. Thanks again. See you later. See you, mate. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Engage Volunteer Podcast with Matt Lynch founder and director of Moonshot. I hope you've all taken away some key points of volunteer training and engagement from Matt's experience in some of the large volunteer and workforce programs in the world. We'll be announcing our next guests in a few weeks' time, so please keep an eye on our socials and we look forward to catching you then.